Good afternoon, Wear Many Hats listeners. Well, it's a very, very important episode today. I'm obviously your host, Mark Robinson. Um, we've decided to do something a little bit special, and we're going to be focusing on the security world and how security feeds into facilities management. So we've got an incredibly important guest here today, a gentleman actually that I've known for, for quite a while, so I'm very pleased that he's decided to join us. Please join me in welcoming Helmi Elisar, the Managing Director for SmartSec Solutions. Hello, Helmi. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much for the invitation, Mark. It's no very nice to be here. No Did you like the introduction? Uh, the introduction was amazing. I hope I, I live up to it. You will. You will. No, I was, I'll try I was, my best. I was working on that on the train <laughs> on the way over today. I was like, right, how, how can I make sure that I get it all in for Helmi? <laughs> anyway, listen, Helmi, thank you again for joining us. Um, should we jump straight into the questions? Yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah. Okie dokie. Let's start with your career journey. Tell us how you started in the world of security. Of course. So I uh, I studied in Egypt, Alexandria. I, I did an engineering course there, but I was quite fortunate to have a, a British passport. So I'm half Egyptian, right. uh, half English. Yeah. During the summer, I used to come over here and, and do a bit of work, get yeah. some money together. So that when I go back to uni, I'm flush with yeah. cash. Yeah, and um, and started working for a security company called Trident Safeguards. Right, um, had an interesting job title. So, yeah. so my my job title was uh, floater. Yeah, um, a bit of an unfortunate <laughs> job title. Uh, when my friends asked me what, what I was doing in the summer, and I told them I was working as floater, they found that quite, quite amusing. But in essence, it was a relief security officer. So, yes, know, covering people when they're sick. Covering yeah. their holidays, sometimes customers have got requirements for extra security yeah. in response to a threat or other issues. So I used to move around London covering different locations. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Got to see some amazing locations that I probably would not have seen. Right. Um, got to learn the geography of London very, very well. Yep. Um, and I did that every summer. Um, and then I got a driving license. So, so when I got my first UK driving license yeah. that summer, someone came and pulled me to one side and said, hey, I've heard you got a driving license. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever driven in the UK? No. Oh, that doesn't matter. And then, and then they gave me a role as a mobile uh, response officer. So, that's, so right. that was quite interesting. Wow. Um, yeah. A, a few sort of hairy situations. In those days, there wasn't sat now. So you'd have like an A to Z on your on your lap. Yeah. Um, and, and driving around trying to figure out where to go yeah. in, in a city that you've never driven in before. Um, yeah, I, so, so some, inter- some interesting situations there. I can imagine that. And was, a lot of near misses. Yeah, a lot of near misses. <laughs> a lot of parking fines, I would imagine, as well, help me, I'm guessing. L- loads and bus yeah. lane fines. I, I yeah. remember calling my uh, friends in Egypt. Oh, how's it going in England? It must be amazing. I was like... No, it's so regulated. Like, because in Egypt, you drive a car like a bicycle, like, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, if you, if you do get a ticket. It's a free for all, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you yeah, just you, drive wherever you want. You call your mate whose yeah. dad works in the, you know, traffic office and it's sort of all sorted, you know. Yeah, it goes like, away. Goes and, away. And, and yeah, it just goes away. And I'm here, like, clocking up these fines, like, no one's business. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. So this is really expensive. I was even joking, saying, like, you know, this particular council, I had to drive through Lambeth Council on the way to work. This particular bus lane never had a camera. Right. And they just went and installed one. Yeah. And then the fines start rolling in, but there's sort of like a backlog of weeks. So every day I'm literally getting another couple of envelopes, one for the way in, oh, one for the way back. And I was joking saying they should have opened a school in my name <laughs> in that, in that borough. Like I've, I've contributed so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and then from there sort of, you know, I used to drive the control room manager from home to the control room early morning. 
Um, and then I moved here sort of like full time in 2002. Right. And he knew me. So he gave me a role as a controller, then senior controller, then I was duty manager. And so I progressed through the ranks, really. Um, yeah. Every, every sort of, you know, year or two, I'd, I'd get a promotion and yeah. start learning a, a new role and, yeah. and bit by bit built sort of on my experience. And here I am today, sort of. Uh, 20 odd years later yeah because you've, you've worked across operations across sales across yeah. business development i mean you really have had a very all-encompassing security career i would say yeah yeah i think every, every role that you do you, you learn things from it if you are interested yeah and it contributes to your next role yeah um and and you know i i think Anyone who does the best job they possibly can, regardless of what that job is, they can demand a price. Yes. So I can assure you, for example, you know, like some people look down on jobs. When I was a security officer, you'd have, oh, well, I'm just a security officer. Yeah. But you know what? The best security officer in the world will be earning a lot of money. Agreed. And probably working in a palace for a royal somewhere. Yeah. The best cleaner in the world will be earning a lot of money. So I think it's not about the role that you do. It's about doing it exceptionally well and being the best at it. And if you can do that and you're amongst the best at doing that role, regardless of what it is, money will follow you, success will follow you. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people sort of see it as, oh, well, I'm just doing this temporary. No, try and do your best. It will always pay off. Yeah. You'll never regret it. So what would you say drove you as an individual? Because, you know, that's it's unusual for somebody to, to take that pathway of starting as a floater, and we, we would say. And no then... need for that, Mark. <laughs> you, you started. I told you that in confidence. You started, Elby. <laughs> Um, and then becoming the MD of an organisation that turns over eighteen million pounds. I mean, that's 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 really really interesting. And you know, what what drove you to you know what is it? Is it family? Is it money? Is it is it the pat on the back? Like what is it? Is it, or is it just doing a good job? I, I I think first and foremost, it's pride in what I do and every role that I've done. I, yeah. I, I like to do as well as I possibly can. Yep. Um, and also, I would like to say that it's probably flexibility as well right so so a lot of times you will have a, a definitive job description yes but i think if you know if needs must and you need to step slightly outside that job description um th that means a lot to your employers and, and 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 then they remember that and and you know if they want to promote you because i think that agility piece is extremely important you, you yeah know, people that go that's not my job technically they might be right yeah but if your attitude is, well, I'm here, I might as well do as much as I can. I, I think that helped me quite a lot as well. Yeah, so Going above and beyond. Uh, and, 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 yeah, yeah, so, so you yeah. know, I would take on tasks because I know that the team needed those tasks to be done. Yeah. Technically may not be part of my role, but I'm learning something as a result. Yes. And at the same time, of course, you know, in terms of my profile, it's raising my profile yeah. in the business. Look at that guy who, who's like stepped out and gone above and beyond. So I, I think there's a lot to say for that as well, um, that w which helped me along the way. Yeah, because it, it seems that you develop quite quickly as well, just based on how you talk about the roles, you know, security officer, mobile, supervisor, supervisory. and so, so you've gone quite quickly through those things. Yeah, so, so when I think my first management role, I was 25. Yeah. And I had just over 300 direct reports. Wow. Mm. Yeah. How was that? Because um, that's when you're 20. I mean, I remember being 25. You know, that could, I'm guessing that was quite, quite nerve-wracking at times, I suppose, being responsible for... Do you know what? It will probably be more nerve-wracking now that I know what's involved. <laughs> I, you know when they say ignorance is bliss? Yes, yes. So, so you get, you know, you're young um, and, and you haven't got a lot of life experience. People go, oh, I'm going to give you a manager title. Yeah. 
that's all I'm hearing. You know, extra money, better title. So, mm. you know, and, and like, yeah, and you've got a mandatory entry. But yeah, I've, I've, I'll sort out later. That, that, yeah, that won't yeah, be yeah. difficult. Yeah. And, but then, of course, I think um, it's a bit like, you know, like a baby. If you put them next to the pool, even though they don't know how to swim, they'll jump in. Yes. Ignorance is bliss. And they start learning, you know, once they've drowned, nearly drowned a couple of times. <laughs> that's not a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think if someone now told me you're going to have 300 direct reports, I would probably think about it a lot more. Than you did then. Than I did then because yeah. I just didn't know what that entailed. Did you think it's also the exuberance of youth? I mean, I remember, I mean, I, I took on some very interesting roles when I was, I probably wasn't ready for some of them, but I took them on just thinking, right, I'm very, very forward thinking, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And I, I, I think anyway. there's an element of that. Like, yeah. you know, I'm young, I'm Superman, I yeah. can do it all. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I also think as well in terms of sort of like the personal life. So at the time, I didn't have a mortgage. I, you know, yeah. lived with my parents. So, so in essence, you know, what is the risk? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, you're a family man, I'm a family yes. man. Any risk that you take, you're not taking it alone. You know, you're there are other with... people involved. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I mean, I, I still like to take on new challenges. And normally yep. the wife's going, no, 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 you know, we're all right. Why, why are you sort of going to jump into that? Mode? So I, I, I started um, my sales career, what, about six years ago, yeah. maybe five and a half years ago. I was already established in operations, you know, yes. as an operations director. I, th I think we met originally, you were in operations, I think. I think that's yeah. kind of when we first met. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got turned down for an MD job because I didn't have sales experience. Right. So I was hell-bent on getting a sales role to plug that gap in my CV so so I could, you know, make that next move. And at the time, yeah, my, you know, my wife's going, why? Like, you, you know, you're really good at doing something. You, you wanna, why are you going to jump into the unknown? You know, you don't know whether you're going to be good at it or not. Yeah. But my fear is living with regrets. Yes. So, you know, if I try and fail, at least I've tried it and I'm not going to be going, oh, well, what if? Yeah. Um, I, I can't live with what if. Yeah. It's not how I'm built. I, I have to jump in, try it, and, and, yeah. and see what it's like. How, how did you find that transition from ops to sales then? Was it was it difficult or was it? Um, it was, I, I didn't find it technically difficult because, yeah. of course, if you come from an operations background, you know the product very well. Yes. And I think as a salesperson, knowing your product very well is probably the most complex part of the role. Absolutely. Because, you yeah. know, that, that technical piece. So so I was okay there. Yeah. Um, I relished the fact I wasn't getting phone calls at two in the morning asking yeah. for a pair of trousers or, or, you know, someone maybe being 50 pence short on their pay. And, yeah. And those. So in essence, the job became very much sort of like, you know, very structured nine to five. Yes. Even if I was working after that, it would be me doing admin. But you yeah. weren't getting those sort of like, you know, phone calls coming out of the blue. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge for me is in operations, I was used to making so many decisions a day. Yeah. That sense of fulfillment at the end of each day where you've solved 10 problems, 20 problems. Yes. I really missed that. And yeah. as you know, the, 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 the timelines in sales, especially in, in, in the world of guarding are very long. So you might be working on a tender and the cycle of that tender, you know, if it's quick is four weeks. Yeah. So could, you could don't get, a, yeah. And you yeah. don't get that sense of fulfillment every yes. day. Yeah. You're working on a project that takes quite a long time. 
And then very easily, you might get an answer saying, no, it's not for us. Yeah. And then I'm heartbroken, you know. Like, yeah, uh, I, know, I, 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 I am as well <laughs> devastated. Every, every time I get a no, I'm dev- I really am, you know, because I, I do think that, um, especially in sales, and I don't, I don't want to turn this into a sales podcast, but we, we become very invested in the opportunities that we're working It's your on. baby. Yeah, you yeah. know, we really are, you know. And um, I think sometimes, you know, operators, to be honest, I think sometimes operators think that, the sales role is quite easy, you know, and I don't think that's the case. The I highs think, are high and the yeah. lows are low. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I it's very think, challenging mentally, I think, you know. To I think as an operator, you're the one making the decisions. Yes. As a salesperson, you can make all the right moves, do all the right things, but ultimately the decision is not in your hands. No. It's in someone else's hands. And I'm a very mathematical person, which is yes. where I struggle with sales. So, you know, if I do that, 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 uh, I expect the outcomes to be yeah. known, you know, and, and guaranteed. Of course, I went into the world of sales and I did not find it like that. It's not the case at all. So, so, yeah, I'm, 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 you may well be speaking to someone you think is the decision maker, you go through and, t- and then it turns out that that person isn't the decision maker. Yeah, or, or, or they tell you actually we're just doing it as an exercise, quite happy with the people we've got. Yeah, we're like, benchmarking. And you're like, well, you know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I understand why they do it. I'm not knocking them. By the way, potential clients out there. But Yeah, you know, literally, I mean, my, my therapist was so bored about <laughs> hearing about losses. Like, it was like, like yeah, I've had yeah. enough of it. Like, yeah. the, the, this move to sales is causing me stress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't go to it. Move back to what? Yeah. Move back to. <laughs> okay, so obviously you've been in the you were in the sales world for a period of time. Um, you've now moved into you know your current role as managing director. How have you found that transition? I love it now. Yeah, because because I've I've got the best of both worlds. So I've got That's the highs true. when we win opportunities. I've got the ability to make a lot of decisions each day and feel yeah. fulfilled at the end of the day. So so yeah, I I, I think like I'm in best place ever. You know, I, yeah. I, I get the best of, of both of those worlds. The best of both worlds. And right. you know, I've got a fantastic team with me, so that yeah. that also helps. Yeah. Um. But yeah, absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. Getting out, seeing all our officers, saying hello to them. Yeah. So yeah, having a great time. Oh, brilliant. So what advice would you give to somebody, um, you know, wanting to move into the world of, let's say, soft services as opposed to just security? Because we can't, we all kind of operate in the same space. Different niches, obviously. But what advice would you give to an individual that was looking to, to, to start a career in that space? Um, I think the advice that I would give is, is, you know, have confidence in yourself. Yep. Try to do your best and strive to do your best yeah. at all times. And as I said, that, that, that flexibility and that sort of mindset of, you know, even if I'm going to be outside my comfort zone, I'm doing something slightly outside of what I normally would. Yeah. Well, jump in with both feet. What's the worst that can happen? You find out you're not good at something. Yeah. Well, at least then you start understanding what your limitations are. I, when I first moved to, well, the first couple of summers that I came here before I moved here, I, I did catering. Right. I was dreadful. Yeah, but but I still tried it and established that I will never be good at it. You know, like I, I've got awful balance. You know, yeah. I end up spilling stroganoff over a, a bride and ruining her dress, and there was all sorts of drama. I mean, I felt sorry for my manager when I was when I was in catering. Yeah. but I found out it's not for me. And you know, people have got different skill sets, yeah. have got different talents, but go and try. Yeah, you don't you don't know until you, you you've tried, and and you might surprise yourself and find that you absolutely love it and you're very good at it. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. To be fair, I do get that. I did a fry up for about seven people at my house about two weekends ago. It was the most stressful thing I think I've done in a long time. I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you know, all the different pans and all that stuff for his hard work. Um, anyway, brilliant. So do, let's focus purely on security. Let's, let's ask a question that's, um, 
within the security world at the minute that's bubbling around. What's your view on Martin's Law and how do you think that that will affect FM providers on the whole as a security specialist? Well, uh, first of all, I think it's a very good thing. Obviously, it was... was um, uh, a reaction to what happened in uh, Manchester Arena yes. bombing, yeah. um, shortfalls that were found, um, and and it wasn't particularly regulated. So you know, each owner or, or someone running a premises, mm. it was up to them really as to to decide what security they need, how robust it needs to be, you know, what training's in place, and of course, something as serious as that with, yeah. with such serious implications, it, it needs to be regulated so that people don't cut corners. Yes, we're in a commercial world. Yes, you know, so people want to make money. So mm. you know, if there isn't regulation, people will try and make as much as they can and spend as little as they can. That's yes. where regulation comes into it. So of I course, think, yeah. I think it's a, a positive thing that there's going to be some regulations that are put in place to guarantee a minimum standard of security in in locations that are frequented by the public. Yes. Um, obviously, it's still sort of not finalised yet. But no, still a bit of work to do on it. Yeah, it? but we, yeah. we've had visibility of, 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 of the first draft. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to speak to to our customers about what they need to put in place. But in essence, what, what will change is there will be minimum responsibilities yeah. for owners of venues or, yeah. or buildings, which by default will then transfer to the people that may be managing the properties on their behalf, so yes. property management companies. Yeah. And they will be responsible for having minimum standards in place. Mm. Um, there's... They've suggested three categories, right? Um, which depends on capacity. So, so that makes sense, you know. So, yeah. your sort of your stadiums, yeah. you know, your, your festival halls, those type of things, yeah. will need probably a higher level of security yeah. than an office building. Yeah, of course, you know, given the, the the volume of people. Yeah, so, and, so, and, and I guess the um, you know there's 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 a lot more unknowns in that kind of environment there is so so you know in an office building for example you would have an element of vetting of who's coming in and who's coming yeah. out obviously when you're selling tickets or it's shopping center it could be anybody open, yeah it could be anybody so you've got that aspect to it so it's all risk related really in, yeah. in, in terms of the the, the requirements and you know t towards the higher end of the requirement then there'll, there'll be a requirement for security plans to be in place they will have to meet certain standards yeah. and 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 those sort of security standards will be slightly less if you fall into a smaller tier where you've got a lower capacity and slightly less if you fall into the you know the the the, the, the lowest right. um uh, category okay. but, but ultimately the, the way i see it is is the property manager management companies or, or people who are running their buildings will be reliant on their service providers so yep. so you know uh, as as a security service provider i'll be going to my customers who, who might manage the property and go right okay well these are the requirements and this is how we're going to help you and make sure we meet those requirements. And to be fair, a lot of those requirements are things that should already be in place. Yes. So, for example, even if you look at the, 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 the sort of the higher risk capacity, the one with the, with the most sort of measures that need to be in place, a security plan. Yeah. You know, you know any, any service provider should have a security plan yeah. for the venue or building that they're looking after. Mm. But I think that will standardise it. So, you, yeah. you know, service providers, the, the, the quality of the service they provide may be inconsistent. Yep. However, once you've got a regulation in place... Takes every, away all those grey areas. Everyone yeah. has to meet that as a minimum. So so I think, in essence, it will make us all a lot safer, which which can't, can't be a bad thing. No, no, you can't complain about that. So, so when, do, when do you think that this will come into place? Is there any indication as yet? Yes. So, so my, my, my understanding is it should be around first quarter of 2024. 
Right, okay. Also, not far at all, no, then, really. No, 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 no. It's, it's nearly there. Right, fantastic. Good stuff. Okay, nice, exciting question now, Helmi. Um, how do you think artificial intelligence will affect the security world specifically? Um, it's already started affecting um, the security world. So, as you know, labour costs are, are, are increasing yep. um, due to inflation. Yes. Not only are the costs increasing, but finding people is becoming more and more challenging. Yes. So, and I think the cost drivers probably the, the, the main objective that I found from customers start leveraging uh, yeah. AI. Yeah. And the idea behind it is that you would have uh, artificial intelligence that mm. will be able to analyze exceptions that are triggered by intruder alarms, CCTV systems, and, and weed out all of the stuff that, that doesn't require a response. Yeah. So that, in essence, the security officer is only being told about things that are relevant. So, so an mm. example of that, for example, would be suspect packages. Right. So you can now, on, on most of the, the new CCTV systems, program it so that if it spots a suspect mm. pack, a package that's been left unattended for over a certain duration that you program on on, on the actual software, it will flag it to the operator. Right. So as opposed to an operator watching loads of different screens, they can operate Black Monitor and it pops up when there's an issue. CCTVs right. identifying uh, threat objects, yeah. guns, knives, that type of thing. So analytics. And so, so those analytics and a gun, mm. oh, that's a gun, I know it's a gun, flags it to the operator. So the operator is, is only having to deal with those exceptions. That ultimately results in, in a better, more efficient use of people because yes. they're only dealing with, with, with genuine security issues yeah. as opposed to having to sort of filter through all the noise. Mm. And as a result, it lowers labor costs and, and, and in actual fact enhances the, the security response as well. Um, well, I guess there's more budget to, to, to train the individuals. There's more. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, your CCTV, yeah. if you set it on a motion sensor, it would alarm every time a mouse yes. run through yeah, or, a yeah. or a fox. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. But now they're clever enough to identify size, yep. speed, type of movement, to go, actually, that's a tree blowing in the wind. Yeah. Don't flag that to the operator. Yeah. Um, so, so I think what that's meant is we're able then to have a, a, a smaller amount of resource yeah. that are a lot more effective. Yeah. Albeit they probably need to be higher skilled, so you might yes. have to pay them a little bit more. Yeah. But the end result is a saving for the customer, a reduction in risk, and, mm. and, and better security arrangements. So I think it's fantastic. So not all in all, really positive. Very, very, very positive. And I know some people are fearful, like, oh, it's going to take our jobs. But even if you look at the print industry, I'm, I'm a true believer that, that, that jobs don't disappear, but the nature of jobs change. Yes. So, you know, when the print industry was done and all these people didn't have jobs mm. well now we've got web designers and, yes. and, and other jobs that didn't exist in those days so so my personal opinion is that that, that jobs don't disappear they uh, just transition into they evolve different into, something evolve completely into something different. else yeah because yeah. i guess those people in the print industry were, were creative anyway so that creativity would just be used elsewhere yeah and, yeah. and i think trying to oppose changes you know you can do it for so long but eventually it will just happen no you've got to buy into it yeah. you? I've, I've said this a few times on the I think the, the only difference with, with AI is the acceleration of the change will be far more than we've probably ever experienced in business. I think that it, I think when things start happening, they'll start happening very, very quickly. Um, similar to the internet. It'll be like the internet, I think, but I just think it'll happen. The internet, you know, it was about a 20-year period where it just completely changed our lives. I think AI, five I mean, I could be wrong, but that, that's kind of, I think it's just going to happen over a short time. I, I, I think if you look over history, how progress works, mm. 
um, it, it, it doesn't progress by the same speed. That speed is always becoming more and yeah. more and more. So I, 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 I would agree with you. I, yeah. I reckon it's going to take us sort of by, by surprise and, and it will become a fundamental part of everyday life very, yeah. very soon. And basically, in five years' time, Al, me, me and you will have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, hopefully by then we'll, we'll have retired, Mark. Yeah, you know, well, who knows? We'll, well see. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> you, you may be, mate. You may be. I'll still be grafting. I'll be here at 76 doing podcasts. Brilliant. Okay, so moving on to, to something else. Um, so from an environmental, social and governance perspective, um, how do you think ESG um, will develop within the security industry and, and, and within the clients that you serve in mm. facilities management arenas um, over the next couple of years? Well, I, I think, you know, our clients' commitments nearly always become our commitments because obviously we're, we're part of their team, we're representing yep. them. So the, 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 the ESG has become a, a high priority for a lot of our customers and as such, we're expected to, to, to meet those and it's become a high priority for us as well. Mm. Um, I think the way it's moving from, from uh, an environmental point of view, it makes sense because nearly always the less harm you're doing to the environment, the more money you're saving. Exactly. And they seem to go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, even we're sort of like, you know, for example, the, the way it's impacted us, we've got now uniforms which are made from recyclable materials, for example. Right. Um, we have got, we're, we're giving our officers uh, flasks, supposed to be using plastic cups when they go to water fountains oh, and, okay. and, and, and water machines. Yeah. Um, on their patrols, part of what they're looking for is compliance with the environmental aspects of the building because it's our role to police those yes. and make sure that people are adhering to them. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that, you know, it's very, we've got our fleet of vehicles now have gone electric. Right. Um, in actual fact, I'm getting an electric car. Uh, next month as, as part of sort of moving in, in, in that direction. What are you getting? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure yet. I've I'm, 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 not told I'm, you. Um, <laughs> no, no. So, so I've, I've never sort of like thought about it. So, mm. I'm, I'm, you know, I've only known about Tesla, but apparently there's a lot more out there now. Loads so, loads yeah, 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 I'm going to be. Really there's, uh, there's, there was never really a selection only about two years ago. I think now there's, there's a so, lot. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm going to be shopping. But, but I think, you know, it is ultimately coming down to us on, on a social um, note, for example, you know, now, mental health awareness, I mean, we deliver it to all of our people as standard, yeah. and we're not the only supplier that does that. You know, a lot no. of people now are investing in everyone having mental health awareness training, um, managers especially having mental health first aid training so that they can support their people better. So, so again, from a social aspect, even, even the SIA, um, which is the Security Industry Authority, which is our regulatory body, have made first aid training, for example, mandatory. Yep. Um, and again, that goes, you know, to the wider sort of social piece that you know, if someone's not well or needs medical assistance, every yeah. security officer in the land will be qualified to, to, to attend to them. Yeah. Um, so, so they could do basic intervention. Correct, to until the emergency yeah, services yeah, arrive. Yeah. Um, so, so again, you know, that social governance piece is flowing through down to us as well. Um, and, and, you know, I think if you were to tell me 20 years ago, you know, what I knew about mental health compared to what I know now, yeah, we're miles ahead now. Yeah. And I think that's all the way from, from directors to managers to frontline staff. We're all a lot more aware of it now and able to assist a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's a good thing, though, because I think um, everybody gets affected by mental health at some point in their lives, whether it's... I think, I think you're right. I think everyone does, but very few admit it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But the ones that don't admit it are sometimes struggling far more 
than the individuals that do. I would imagine so because yeah. talking about something always sort of, you know, uh, gets yeah. it off your chest a bit. But if they it? feel like they can, you know, then that I think that, you know, like I said to you earlier, we're going to have a, a charity on the show in the next couple of weeks called Andy's Man's Club, Men's Club. Um, and that focuses purely on sort of the, the issues surrounding male suicide and providing yeah. support functions for them um, and, and things like that. And I think that now that the wider business community is really recognising um, how mental health and the stresses of, I, can't, I guess, kind of being a man, you know, you know, looking after a family, trying, trying to do all the things that you're supposed to do and so on and so forth can, can really weigh heavily on some people. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly we, we, there's an organisation that started last year called the Security Crime Prevention um, Association, which we're, right. we're, which we're founder members of. And, yeah. and um, that's aimed towards supplying training and looking at ways that the security industry can assist in preventing suicide. And even, even things like the design of, of buildings and, yeah. and uh, that's now being thought of how to prevent suicide. Yeah. So, for example, you know, on the tube, the Jubilee line, how you've got that glass front there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not there just, just for show. That, that is, uh, an example of preventing suicide by design. Is it really? Yes, you stop people from being able to jump on on the tube lines. No, I didn't know that. Um, did for example, that. CCTV, going back to AI. Mm. So, you know, I had a building uh, a while back that was looking after security at, and they had a lovely rooftop. Mm. But, you know, the, a design fault was the fact that, you know, the, 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 the barrier that, that covers you from sort of like, you know, falling over, it's not high enough. It's not preventative enough. Yeah. Again, you know, preventing suicide by design would be making that higher. You yeah. can have CCTV cameras using the AI mm. that would indicate if someone is starting to climb. Yes. Over yes. that wall. Yeah. So, so, you know, there are a lot of things that we can do to help prevent suicide. And, and, mm. and that's what this uh, particular sort of consortium is, is, is doing. And, and we're, we're quite happy to be involved in it. That's a fantastic initiative. Fantastic initiative. And I think it'd really help as well. Um, and it's great that it's being thought about in that way. Um, especially, you know, because you know, I think security officers sometimes, they're, they're probably some of the lowest paid people in societies. You think that'd be a, an accurate s assessment? In some it is, yes. No, no, you, you are right. Um, and, uh, very long hours. Yeah, very long hours. Antisocial, you know. Yeah. So, you know, ensuring that they get the type of support that they need, I think, is, you know, really, really essential, you know, and admirable. So. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I mean, you know, they, they've got very tough roles to do. I've, yeah. I've done it myself. It's not easy. A lot no. of hours. Yeah. And a lot of hours sometimes where you sat alone. Yes. Um, yes. And, and that in itself can be a challenge because then, you know, the, you've got only your mind to keep you company. Exactly. And if the mind is doing funny things at that particular that, that, time. That, that can yeah. be sometimes a, a quite a dangerous thing. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that, Helmy. Really appreciate that. So um, in, if we talk about sort of the wider facilities management world, which I know that you guys operate in quite significantly, um, how do you stay up to date with trends and analysis and uh, trends and things taking place within that specific industry to, you know, make sure that you know what's happening? I suppose. Yeah. So, so, as you said, our, our client base is predominantly property management companies. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're forever interacting with them, learning from them about what's happening in their buildings, yeah. sharing best practice. Yeah. You know, so so you go to one building, see that they're doing something that's absolutely amazing, mm. measuring air quality, whatever they're doing. And then we will go and pass it on to other customers. Go, oh, by the way, we saw that there. Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. think about it? Yeah. Um, no one's got a monopoly on good ideas, I think. That's what yeah, they say. Yeah, so, I'd agree. Yeah. So, you know, sharing best practice. I think also from professional forums, you know, uh, attending uh, thought leadership events, 
um, reading publications. Again, we, we, we get quite a lot of information from that that we discuss with our customers. Yeah. Our customers then will let us know sort of like the practicalities of that and how it works for them in practice. Um, so, so we stay on top of those things really by being out there in the marketplace, yeah. attending exhibitions where you see what's new in the world of technology. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's just being present in that marketplace um, socializing, networking, interacting with people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's ultimately how, how you learn. Right. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. So, so looking back at your career again, um, are there any specific achievements within your career that, that you're very proud of, um, that, that kind of stand out to you as I, I was really happy with how that, how that went down? Yeah. So, I, I mean, several, several, um, one comes to mind where um, we won a contract for Ascot Racecourse. The, oh, uh, lovely. And I've never, ever done event security in my life. Right. Um, and I remember at the time we won the contract and my boss said, how many, look, we, we, we need to tell them that we're not going to take this. It's outside our comfort zone. Yeah. So you know what I said about the fact that I, I, you know, I can't live with regret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, don't worry, I'll manage it. Yeah. I remember that, that, uh, that particular year. I worked 26 weekends because the race days are predominantly on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes a Friday and Saturday. And, and, but that we had to ramp up for, uh, Royal Ascot. Right. And I had to have about 110 people each day. Wow. And I had to ramp up from nothing because we didn't have an events team. And I, you know, it was playing on my mind every time I got to bed. I'm like, Oh God, where am I going to get all these people? And, you know, we put in the hard work, me and the team and, and, yeah. and we probably delivered, well, the client said we delivered the best Royal Ascot in terms of security on the entrances oh, wow. that year. Um, so much so that I got a 15% increase from the next year. Oh, that's all right. Um, that's not bad at all. Just, just because, you know, we've done such a great job. Yeah. Um, but that, that was a lot of effort. But I think what I found really, really sort of like, you know, uh, gave me that sense of achievement is the fact that, you know, the more effort you put in, the more the payback when you see the result. And yeah. I was I was so happy that we'd done so well because it was a lot of work. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the big achievements that I'm, I'm very, very proud of. Yeah. Um, I would say the second one, probably where I am now in terms of, of how quickly we've grown. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I've, I've been with them for two years mm. and we've grown by 70%. Wow. Really? Mm. That's amazing. Well, so, so very, very, very proud of that as well. Mm. Um, not only the fact that we managed to sell it, but mobilize it, get it up yeah. and running and it's running well. Um, you know, our teams expanded. We had to move into a bigger office and you're seeing all that happening around you. Yeah. And I said, I was their sales and marketing director. So, yes. you know, uh, for, for me to see what I'm doing, then translating into an actual business, hiring more managers, moving yeah. into a bigger premises. I found that very, very rewarding. So I was very proud of that as well. Yeah. I saw your office, your new office on LinkedIn, actually. Yes. Very nice. Yes. Very it nice. Is, it's very nice. Well, you're welcome to come back again. Oh, well, well yeah, I didn't yeah. actually go in there. I just saw it on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, you should, you should come. Oh, should we'll do. Come. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. That'd be Lovely. That'd be lovely. So just to give our viewers a bit of an indication of your growth, I know you say 70%, but where were you when you started and where are you at now? Um, so when we started, we were sort of between the 10 and 11 million. Yeah. And now we're probably sort of 17 to 18. Wow. That's fantastic growth in two years. Mm. Brilliant. Okay. Conversely, anything you may regret in your career? Yes. My first three marriages. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. My career. <laughs> <laughs> number four is a keeper um regrets in my career no 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 because i think every decision i made even obviously some of them are wrong you know you but that's with hindsight 
Yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact that throughout my career, all decisions I made based on the information I had available to me at the time yeah. were the right decisions. Right. Um, example of that is, you know, like not all the people that I've hired have worked out. But yes. at the time, based on the interview, based on yeah. what I could see in their CV and the assessments, they were the right people, but yeah. it turned out not. Um, so, so yeah, I don't. I've got, I've got no regrets from a career point of view. Right. Okay. Well, that's fine. You don't have to. You know. That's I'm so weird. sorry. To, to no, no. So, hey, listen, listen. <laughs> I can make one up. No, no, it's fine. No, I, I mean, to be fair, I think, I think you're right. I think um, I always find it interesting. Well, whenever we ask that question, we get a variation of, of responses. But you know, we. When you go throughout a career, you know, you're always trying to do the right thing for the right reasons, I think. I think people generally want to try and do that. So, you know, unfortunately, there's things that are beyond your control that, that happen. Yeah, know? no, that's, yeah. that's very true. So, that's yeah. very true. So, that you know, there are things that I'm not happy about. Yeah. But would I have done it differently? Probably not, given yeah. what I've known at the time. Now, I probably would go back and do it differently, but I know more than what I did at the time. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd, I'd be a billionaire now if I could go back. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 Down the bookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Google would be called Moogle. It's like Back to the Future, isn't it? When he goes and steals that magazine with all the yeah. small results. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Google would be called Moogle, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> kind of silly stuff. Okay, um, so this is kind of our last question now, Helmy. So what things in life, um, whether it's work or leisure, um, give you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment? What do you like doing the most? So I love spending time with my family. I think yeah. uh, I've got to say that in case they listen. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that's number one. Yes. You know, lo- love spending time with my family. A, b- a big one as well. A yeah, big, that's, yeah, that's the biggest one. Hashtag one. But, Hashtag yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think on a personal level, uh, you know, I really enjoy playing video games. Oh, really? I know it sounds very trivial, but, you know, Neither. there's a whole generation of us coming up now where we're yeah. going to be 70 sat in front of our PlayStations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love playing video games. I have done sort of. For, what's what's your what's your favourite game at the minute? Well, I'm I'm now playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is right. based in ancient Greece. So, right, uh, is it good? Yeah, yeah very good, very, very good. good. I recommend it. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm plugging it for them. I hope they send me some free copies of their future games. Do I well. get some royalties? Hell, <laughs> there's a massive uptick after the, the podcast is released. I think it? from a professional level, yeah. what I enjoy the most is interacting and meeting people, yes. whether it be my teams on the ground, whether it be my management team, whether it be you, Mark, yourself, Ethan, which, which I know people aren't, they probably don't know he's sat here, but... We, we do reference him from we, time to okay, time. So, so he's, like, you know, meeting he's, people like... He's, he's like our silent collaborator. Yes, yes. Aren't you, Ethan? Um, <laughs> but, you know, meet, meeting new people, I think when you meet new people, it's amazing how much you learn because regardless of what they do for a living or how old they are, everyone's had different experiences and have different knowledge. And when you interact with people, uh, you know, I'm always learning new things. And it might be something serious, it might be something trivial, but I, I just love it, you know. Yeah. Um, and London's amazing for that because then you get the cultural mix coming yes. into it as well. Yeah, you do, yeah. And you're meeting people from all places around the world. And, and so, yeah, that, that's the bit that I enjoy the most is meeting lots and lots of different people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think what we've noticed about the industry is, is the people, really. You know, everybody says the same thing. It's the people. I enjoy the people element of it, which is really interesting. So. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if you, if you don't enjoy people, then working in the services industry where you're supplying people exactly. might not be a very wise career move. Yeah, yeah. Co- <laughs> 
Yeah. Coding in IT is probably right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Those lines. Okay, well, listen, Helmy, thank you very much no, thank for you. joining thank us. Was that painless? Did you find that all right? Well, it, I, I was I was very nervous before walking. It's my uh, first podcast. I'm podcast virgin. So, yes. Uh, but no, no, I've now popped my cherry and well, happy well, to come back. Re- really happy that yeah, we yeah, can yeah, pop yeah, your yeah, cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any time in the future, Mark, just let me know. I'll be happy to come here. Will do. No problem at all. <laughs> well, listen, guys, thank you very much. Um, and I'd like to thank Helmy um, for coming on and, and sharing his career and his experiences. It's been great, haven't you? Oh, thank you very much, Mark. I've got one to the next time. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.